Good morning or good afternoon, whatever you're joining us today. So welcome to the 16th episode of TZE, the Zion Experience. Uh, we've got a special guest here today, Kevin Lawton, and um, we're going we're gonna to introduce Kevin in a minute. But Jordan, you might have heard a little noise right as we were kicking off the podcast. Jordan decided to go backwards on his hat today <laughs> instead of forwards. Yeah, I, I decided to wear the, you, the northern people would call it a beanie. Right. Probably, Kevin. What do you what do you call it? A beanie or? Yeah, I would call it a beanie. Definitely. Yeah, I'm a. I call it a toboggan, whether that's pronounced properly or not. But yeah, so I decided to uh, go with the toboggan today. So. Yeah, toboggan. We take the toboggan down the hill. You know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Jordan, which hat did we go with? Did we go it's with just the Zion hat? Just the Zion. Got the Zion. Zion. Okay. Like a Thirty-three. I either do no hat wear it backwards or forwards it usually has to do i always buzz i always give myself a buzz cut i do a number two all the way around i've done it for <laughs> i don't know how long 15 or 20 years and i just do it myself so i have to do it about every two weeks depending on where i am in that two-week venture is how often i wear the hat so right now my hair is a little bit longer still not very long but that's when the hat goes on during the podcast so next next <laughs> episode of the See, I'm on the other end of it. I've got like this mess going on and it's getting light up top. And the worse the lighting is, the 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 lighter it looks. So I'm usually always in a hat or a toboggan or a yeah, beanie. Yeah. We'll, we'll yeah, go, for me, we'll go northern today. Kevin's yeah, got a good me. head of hair though. Kevin, you got you got a solid head of hair on you. <laughs> yeah, actually my hair uh has been a, a gift and a curse at the same time, you know. Uh when I was younger, uh my hair was a lot more red actually and uh very thick and uh I had family down in Louisiana and I would go visit down there and just uh random older ladies would grab it and just say oh shit your hair you know it's so <laughs> so beautiful and as a young kid I'm like oh my god mom what's going on like you know get these <laughs> get these ladies away mom was never red my beard yeah. was red before uh -huh. it turned gray and and yeah. dark and uh I've got Irish Irish roots as well and I'm assuming mm -hmm. you do as well and uh actually no 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 <laughs> Just no, yeah, every, everybody just thinks that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My uh, father's side came over from England, so I guess close, okay. you know. And then uh, my mother's side is from uh, like Austria, France. Um, okay. And, and has that kind of uh, Cajun uh, blood in there from from Louisiana. So, gotcha. That's cool. Yeah. My uh, mom was from the Wales area, and uh, mm. so my dad's side came from there, and then my my cousin. First cousin traced it back, did all did all the an ancestry and and looked back and researched it several generations back. And then my my parent my mother's side came from we were Irish immigrants. So ah. cool. Well, I'm totally off track, but let's get back on track. So welcome again to uh, 16th episode of the Zion Experience. Uh, we've got a special guest, Kevin Lawton, today. Um, I'm going to introduce him real quick, but. We're excited to have him. He's got his own podcast, a much bigger, better podcast than the Zion Experience. So we're going to learn a few things today from him. But he uh, he's a cool guy, been in the industry a while. Um, I think everybody's going to enjoy enjoy this talk, and we'll we'll have some fun today. So, Kevin, one of the things we like to do is have a little fun and cut up, and we're terrible about staying on track and Jacob, who's our, our producer in the background, will will send us a chat to get back on track at times. And 
we try to keep it somewhere between 30, 45 minutes, but uh, we're going to have some fun with it today. So if you're joining us for the first time, welcome. Uh, if you're a returning subscriber, thank you for listening. Uh, we don't take that for granted. You can find this podcast anywhere. We're, wherever a podcast is published, you can find it. You can find the video and podcast out on YouTube. And then we're on Apple, we're on Spotify, we're on Deezer, we're, we're on Amazon, we're, uh, you can find it. So if you haven't subscribed, subscribe, and hopefully you enjoy spending 30, 45 minutes with us learning about all things supply chain, all things material handling, and just interesting and engaging uh, guests that we have on. So let me introduce our guest. So Kevin Lawton is the founder of the New Warehouse and has been working in distribution and logistics industry since 2012. He began his career, like a lot of us do, as uh, he, he really started as a temporary employee, and he was in the inventory department in Simon & Schuster. And from there, he grew in the inventory department and moved into various distribution and operation management roles. So he started, you know, in an hourly temp row and went up and, and got into more of the management and operation role, um, he was able to be a key player in four different new distribution center startups. We're going to definitely have to talk about that a little bit, Kevin. That'd be a good Ooh, question. Okay. Okay. Startups yeah. are always fun, but uh, he was integral part of that project as well as he was, has been involved in multiple software updates. Another great, great thing and, and transition projects. So you've hit them all startups, software <laughs> updates and inventory transition, like the bread and butter of distribution. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And then you've had experience dealing with several different systems. I think it's Manhattan, SAP, Oracle, Prelude, if I pronounce that right, and DIQ mm -hmm. and just various types of automation, uh, such as like voice picking. And then you've been involved with some goods to person uh, yeah. picking. And your passion really is to continuously learn and share the knowledge which ultimately led you to the creation of the new warehouse. And um, I'm going to let you introduce that. And so Kevin, sure. thanks for being on, man. We're, we're glad to have you. You got about 11 years, about to turn 12 years in this crazy industry and uh, yeah. interested for your perspectives <laughs> on it. So share, yeah. fill in the banks that, that, that a, a bio can't Kevin, tell us a little bit about yourself and just, yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for uh, having me on. I, I know, Jim, I, I had you on my podcast recently, too. So, so it's great to uh, uh, flip the sides of the table a little bit here or the sides of the microphone, maybe, however you want to say it. Um, but yeah, it's great to be on. Uh, great to talk to people in the industry as well. And I, I think that's kind of where my passion uh, lies within the industry is being able to just not only uh, help people create awareness around what's going on in the industry, but also learn about what's going on in the industry too. And, and hear about some of those, those stories and uh, challenges that, that people have around different things that are happening. Uh, like you mentioned, the, the warehouse startups and the software upgrades and, you know, sometimes uh, those can get a little uh, hairy, I guess we could say, right. Uh, so you get some interesting times and, and certainly a lot of learnings from those. So I'm always interested to hear those stories from people. But uh, yeah, I think at the root of everything, uh, as you mentioned in there, is, is really that kind of continuous learning, whether I'm learning myself or I'm helping people to learn as well. I mean, that's really 
really the mission overall of the new warehouse is to be able to uh, provide that kind of learning and awareness and and creation of um, getting things out there so people are are aware of what's going on in the industry. I think you know the one thing I noticed and and realized uh, as I started this thing. Um, was that you know for me i was interested in learning more as a warehouse manager at the time um, but i realized that hey if i if i do a career where i'm going to be with this company uh for you know x amount of years i may not get exposure beyond what the company is willing to look at or, or work on it and not have that awareness so how do i create something where you know somebody could quickly, you know, digest some information about other solutions that are out there that otherwise they might not come across because either their company's not, you know, looking at those types of things, not necessarily willing to invest in them or, or just aren't that uh, forward thinking, maybe in a sense, um, you know, how do we bring some of those things to the, the table so people are aware of them and then and then maybe even be able to bring them into their operation and things of that nature. So that's kind of been been the mission. It was a selfish mission, I guess, in the beginning, because I was trying to learn myself, right? <laughs> and then it just kind of grew into this thing that now we've been doing uh, this podcast for almost five years at this point, started back in 2019. So yeah, that's kind of some of the some of the blanks there, I guess you could say. That's pretty cool. I think some stuff you left out that is you you also mm -hmm. do some teaching, I, I do. believe, yes. and then uh, we'll we'll go into this a little more or as much as you want. But then you also got another little venture where you've started your your own warehouse. So right. is both those things both those things are there. Maybe even Jordan doesn't know about that. But tell us a little bit about your teaching. Um, I don't sure. I don't know that I fully know all the all the info on it and. Maybe yeah. a little bit about your your new venture, and then we'll we'll dive into the podcast a little. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds good. So, uh, on the teaching side, uh, I would say that so I I went to Ryder University uh, for undergrad. Uh, I went for actually my major was entrepreneurial studies, and I, I minored in event planning and arts administration. Actually, so nothing to do with supply chain. Uh, actually, when I when I graduated Rider, that was the first graduating class where they had a supply chain major uh, graduating. So, so very new at the time. This was uh, 2010 when I graduated and uh, I didn't know what I wanted to do, uh, to be completely honest. And uh, I, I mean, I knew I wanted to have a business at some point, but I uh, didn't feel like I had quite the idea or, or big idea. This was like around the time that uh, all these big startups, tech startups were coming around. Like when I started college, that's when Facebook came out. So I felt like I needed a big idea. I felt like I didn't have one. Uh, so I stuck around Ryder for a little longer and, and got my MBA actually. Uh, and then I, uh, by getting connected with people and stuff is kind of how I ended up in that inventory role um, that you talked about there with Simon and Schuster. And then over time, as I got more 
invested and, and started to embrace the uh, supply chain and specifically warehousing distribution uh, types of things. I got involved with uh, ASEM, which is the Association of Supply Chain Management, and our local chapter here in New Jersey, uh, which is the Princeton region, South Jersey chapter. Um, I ended up getting certification through them uh, with the CLTD certification. Uh, and through that, uh, I saw an opportunity for us as a chapter to connect with uh, students uh, who are supply chain majors and help them, you know, get connected with uh, supply chain professionals out there, maybe do some events with them or something. And my closest connection was Ryder because I was a alumni there. Um, and, and you see, I can I represent them back here on the, the shelf too, actually. Uh, so <laughs> uh, big ties there. And, and through that, I got connected to the head of the supply chain department. Uh, and there was a professor that was retiring uh, that taught a class that revolved around ERP, management information systems for uh, supply chain and, and SAP specifically. Uh, and he knew that I had some SAP experience. So he asked me if I wanted to adjunct and try it out. And so I went for it. Uh, and so I've been teaching that class for five, I think this is my fifth semester. We just had our last class of the fall semester yesterday, actually. And uh, this semester, I also picked up intro to supply chain as well, um, which is certainly a nice, nice contrast because that's mostly freshman, sophomore, uh, just kind of starting out uh, in, in school. And the other class has been uh, traditionally a, a junior level class, so a little more established students. So it's an interesting contrast there, I will say. Uh, but it's been really, really a lot of fun. Uh, and it's, it's great to be able to bring like the real world experiences from my career into the classroom and apply those to the theories. And a, a lot of the feedback from the students has been that they really appreciate that uh, versus just getting the, the theory side uh, and kind of the practice and seeing more of the practical application, right? Where we talk about, um, like we talked about slotting recently in, in intro to supply chain. And I talked about some of the complex slotting projects that have been a part of and, and you know, what that means and like how in detail that can go and, and how, um, you know, complex uh, slotting can get as well. And then some of the uh, technical uh, technology applications and advancements that we see around some of these things too, uh, which I get a lot of exposure through the podcast from. Uh, and it's been great to kind of tie that together. And, and I've even had some, some students uh, work for me as well in the other new venture that you mentioned uh, there, Jim. Uh, so it's been great to kind of bring that back to um, my school, not only from the perspective of teaching, but also um, the involvement through the ASEM chapter and creating mentorship programs and getting them different exposure to, to people and connecting them to my network and stuff. So it's been a fantastic experience on that side. Um, and then the new venture, as you mentioned, we opened a, a small 3PL doing e-commerce fulfillment uh, last year in uh, 2022. And then since we've uh, moved, we've gotten a, a little bit of a larger space back in August and we're continuing to do e-commerce fulfillment as well. And now we're really on the, the path to expand that and, and grow that in the new space uh, going into 2024. That's awesome, man. And um, 
<clears throat> I love the perspective of giving back. I think you, yeah. you know your your podcast started with you said that some some maybe it, you could look at it and call it selfish, but I think some yeah. people are just lifelong <laughs> learners, right? I, I think yeah. you said that, but it's really about having curiosity and just being a learner. And I, I liked how you 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 incorporated in that you know when you work for one company, that's sometimes all you get to see. And so mm. being a systems integrator. Uh, my background, as I shared with you, was, you know, UPS and I worked in the 3PL side of UPS. So I saw I think we had, you know, a, an incredible amount of different companies that we got to work with. So it was always right. fresh. There was always a new challenge. There was always a new problem. And then as a systems integrator, I mean, that's that's the best way to describe a systems integrator is yeah. it's always changing. It's always there's always a new problem. Jordan, you get to live in that space a lot of you know, you, you see a new problem, you, you've got a new problem in front of you every day and the ability to continuously learn and, and find out about this rapid changing environment of where technology is changing every day. And, you know, there's something new coming out. There's a new way to solve the problem that comes out. So I, I think that's pretty cool that, you know, that's where the new warehouse started. How many, uh, how many podcasts, you, and you've got different flavors of, of the new warehouse. So you got some talks, sometimes it's video, sometimes you're yeah. on a road show. So how many different podcasts do you think you've done or, or, or different tapings? And then what's, how have uh, you, have you broken that content up? I guess a little bit. Yeah. So let's see. So traditional podcasts, like audio only episodes, uh, I think we just released episode yesterday was four four forty three four hundred forty third episode yesterday of the audio podcast. Um, and then, as you mentioned, we do do some some video now as well. We've really kind of focused on that in the the last year um, uh, and trying to build that up. We will be uh, pretty much going almost. 100%, I'll say 90% video in 2024, um, which people have been asking for. And we see that YouTube is pushing podcast as well. So I'm going to try and take advantage of that. Um, and But altogether, uh, if we include all the live streams and video visits, uh, it's got to be at least 500 or or more. I, I have no idea how many videos to be honest we have. Um, but it's gotta be that because we do we probably do twenty to thirty, uh, if not forty uh recordings at the trade shows that we go to, uh when we have a booth and we we set up there and and we'll be doing that uh coming up this year too. We'll be at uh Manifest with a booth, we'll be at Modex with a booth, um, we'll be at the retail supply chain and logistics expo with the booth, and we'll be doing uh live streams from there, uh, which we then take and then we cut up those conversations and release them uh later on. Uh, we've been releasing a series of conversations from uh CSCMP edge uh over the last couple of weeks now too so yeah so we try to take that content uh as much as possible and and get it out there and you know help to uh have the audience you know be, be aware as we talked about and learn and then also you know we talk to like a lot of um startup companies too in the space and try to give them some some exposure to and and all different kind of learnings and we've really been focusing too on trying to bring in more 
more shippers as well uh, to get their side of the story or, or perspective too. So it's been uh, it's always always evolving, uh, always growing, uh, much like in the warehousing world, right? Continuous improvement and you know uh, trying new things and, and doing new things. I'll just so Kevin, just with all the different types of podcasts you're doing, it sounds like you know when you started the the new warehouse, it was more mm -hmm. so about. I'm going to go back to that same thing of it didn't come from a selfish place, but it came from a selfish place of I want to learn more. I want to know more yeah. about what's going on in the industry. I want to be exposed to more. I want to have more knowledge of what's available from all aspects, right? Not a singular area, but software, mm -hmm. technology. To your point, shipping all of it, the whole supply chain, right? So as you're as you're as you were building your podcast, you've now done over 500 different episodes. I'm sure you've come up with some themes or trends, and I'm, I know that it's got to be changing from from almost yeah. probably a monthly basis. But you know, the year of 2023, we're in December now. Just to kind of put you on the spot in 2023, what do you feel <laughs> based on what you had? What did you see as the overarching trend throughout your podcast? Oh man, I think 2023 uh, for sure is like the year of AI, at least. Uh, I mean, not only in our industry, but like every industry. Uh, yeah. I think in just like general life too. I mean, everybody is talking about AI. Um, I mean, the number of times people have just asked me like, are you using AI in your warehouse? Like uh, is, is crazy in the past year. Um, and, and we've certainly had a, a bunch of guests on the, the podcast actually. Um, yeah, actually the one we had yesterday is utilizing AI um, from a, like safety um, pr productivity perspective, utilizing existing security cameras that are in place. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that's the big overall trend, at least from a discussion perspective. Uh, I think around AI, some of the, the challenging parts there are what are the actual practical applications where AI can come into place within the, the warehouse or the fulfillment center uh, and be leveraged and, and utilized in a way that's easily uh, taken on, right? I, I think one of the discussions around AI that I've had a couple times on the, the podcast and through LinkedIn or in person is, is where do those practical applications come in, right? I, I mean, I think if we look traditionally, especially if we look at a lot of the small, medium-sized businesses, right, that are, are shipping, whether it's from a 3PL perspective or whether it's they're doing their own fulfillment, uh, own shipping, you know, they they're, uh, can be traditionally rigid in a, in a sense, right, or, or averse to, to change, right? And, you know, if something's working, like, why are we going to bring something new in, right? There's a, that fear of you know, breaking something and not being able to ship, right? I mean, that's probably the scariest thing in our industry, right? Not being able to ship. I mean, that's that's yep. our water, yep. right? So, I mean, I think when we look at AI, like there's a lot of really great solutions that are coming out and, and ideas around it, but it's like, how do we take those solutions and how do we bring them in so that they're easily workable within our existing operation and easily picked up? by that warehouse manager or warehouse supervisor uh, to be able to do that. And I, I think some of the most um, interesting applications are ones that are 
making that warehouse manager supervisor more powerful by harnessing all of the data that they most likely on a daily basis don't have the time to analyze and, and get through. And if you look at that smaller to medium sized business, you know, it's uh, not necessarily typical that they would have like a data scientist, right? Or a data person on staff, right? It'd be the expectation that they're just going to handle that uh, when they can. And a lot of times maybe they're looking at those metrics when it's potentially too late or they're missing trends because they don't have the time to analyze and digest all that data. So I think some of those kind of, uh, I guess they're calling them uh, like co-pilot type AIs, right? For warehouse manager, supervisor, it is really the the cool part, I think about it because it takes that, that manager, it gives them insights, better, um, ideas and and sometimes call outs to in some of these technologies on on where they can Im improve things or, or where there might be a potential issue um, and have them take those actionable steps a lot faster than if they were to have to try and figure that out and digest that data um, themselves uh, so i would say that's probably the biggest trend over uh 23 that i've seen around discussion and just overall companies um either coming out with some type of AI solution or adding that to like their portfolio. I mean, I think uh, one thing for sure is that we went to trade shows this year. I mean, as you kind of walk the booth, like you even see some companies that just like added in AI, like to their name, I think, right? right? Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, I think that's certainly like something that's, that's been the overarching trend and uh, focus on, on discussion uh, throughout the year. Yeah, I mean, I think we we would agree. We we did a previous podcast a little bit about AI and machine learning and <clears throat> how it's being integrated into the distribution center. And I think you said a couple of things there, but the co-pilot idea we have also seen, mm. and it's really a result of you got to build up trust to an, to an AI type system, right? And traditionally, when you're putting in software or you're putting in a fix, you're in somebody at least that knows the business is in control of how the system's going to work. And you know that if there's a problem, maybe you tweak something else and you tweak, <clears throat> and then that causes you to tweak something else. And it's an ever changing process, but you're continuously improving upon that base foundation that you put in. AI allows you to do the same, but it kind of starts out, starts off with a, like that black box type of look of mm. what am I really getting into here? How does this work? And when you don't understand how something works, it becomes really hard to intuitively trust it to run your business. Right. So by leveraging the co-pilot idea, you can build up that trust. And the other scary thing that we've seen, not scary, but thing that we've seen too, Kevin, is to your point, there's a lot of technologies out there that have integrated AI into mm. their own software. And a big focus is we mentioned earlier, slotting. So when you think about a goods to person system, having having your product slotted appropriately within a goods to person system can allow you to achieve additional volume with a lower number of robots because they're not having to drive as far. They're not having to bring as many presentations forward. But when you get into an AI type slotting and, and you want to completely put your trust in that, it can make or break your entire distribution center. Yeah. So what ends up happening is they may try a round of it. It doesn't go super well, right? So then they say, you know what, we're putting this on pause, we're taking over, and they kind of push it to the side. And when you do that, the AI doesn't really have time to to learn and then build upon itself and make it better. So I think as it's just a 
total society, especially in an industry that historically is a little behind when it comes to some of the technology that we utilize, it's just going to take some time to build up the trust and see that, hey, this actually can work. This can make my facility better and to let your guard down a little bit, right? Because warehouse managers will always be critical to the success of an, of an operation. Yeah. AI isn't there to displace them. To your point, it's there to help. It's there to supplement. It's there to exemplify, right? So I think I agree with you. We've seen similar trends. You know, I think the the whole robotics technology has been, that's been going on for years now. It's just a different mm. flavor of it. But definitely, this was the year of AI. Every conference we were at, it came up. There was yeah. talk shows on it. or There was a, there was a talk on it. and um, Got a little redundant at times, but it was definitely definitely the trend of 2023. Yeah. Yeah. And I think to your point there too, around the, the warehouse manager, I mean, we have to think that, um, you know, most people that are in a warehouse manager, warehouse supervisor position uh, didn't really go to, to school for, you know, AI or robotic applications or, or things like that. So, uh, so that trusting is a, is a big thing. Right. And I think when you, you be able to show them, like you said, uh, you know, this can help you and, and help you make better decisions. You start to get like those, you know, those little tiny wins, like from those solutions and applications. And, and then that leads to that, that trust building over time. But, but I think also from, uh, you know, if there's anybody that's listening, that's de developing like some of these types of solutions, you know, you have to keep that in mind, right? That, you know, maybe, it, you know, whoever is developing it is coming from a tech background, right? So they're thinking like, oh, you know, why can't somebody understand the way this works or, or how it functions, right? But the from the warehouse side, like we're not necessarily coming from that that tech background, right? If we're on the floor and, and we're getting things done on the day to day, uh, so it needs to be able to to be practical and, and digestible in a in a sense to get that that adoption uh, overall. Agreed. Yep. I think it's a I think it's an excellent point. That last one is Jordan. You remember we were at the Next Gen uh, conference, Kevin, and we uh, mm. we we ended up sponsoring it. And there, so there were some talks. And one of the people that spoke was uh, I'll get it wrong, but I think it's Stephanie Cannon. Cannon, and uh, oh, you may have spoken to Stephanie. She's yeah. a Pitney Pitney Bowles, yeah. and uh, she does she does a lot of different conversations. But one of the things I took away from her talk was the. Um, how they're how they're they're renaming the associates to be robotic associates. Mm. I'm paraphrasing. I'm not going to get this perfect, but they're yeah. training people specific to handle the robotics and the automation that they're bringing in. And I think it's critical to get buy-in from the people that actually are working with it every day. So anytime you throw something, I learned that really early in my career. I'm an industrial oh, yeah. engineer. And I thought I could sit, I could sit in my little cubicle and I made a mean spreadsheet and I solved all the world's problems. And I walked out and <laughs> went to the operations team and gave them a real pretty printout. I had all the good colors. I was a green and yellow guy. So here's the, here it is. You can do this with, let me, let me tell you how you can do this. You can do it with two people and in inbound. You can do it with 3.25 people and put away. And mm. here, you know, you need 15 people to run your your operation and yeah. walk away and how successful that was. You all can take a real big guess of how successful that was. And I learned, oh, yeah. I learned a long, <laughs> long, long time ago in my career is you make people part of the solution. You involve them in the problem and the decision-making process. You've got a way better chance 
of, of success in that problem. And um, I think you have to recognize that the skill sets in the warehouse today versus the technology that's being introduced to those skill sets in the warehouse, there's a real large gap there. So companies have to find a way to, to reduce that gap. And you can do that multiple ways. I, I thought it was a really cool idea to call them, you know, robotic mm. um, employees and to, to get them certification on different levels of robotics and technology. I thought, I thought that was a neat way to solve the problem and, and get buy-in and, you know, AI to me reminds me of probably five years ago. Maybe it's a little more, but you all probably mm. realize this is when the word WES came out. And oh, yeah. one of the, you know, one of the first companies that was doing it, it's no longer available to the market is RedWorks, but we were very involved with RedWorks and they called it a warehouse execution system. And today, every company that does any type of software controls calls themselves a warehouse execution system. Yeah. And uh, AIs, I've seen a similar trend of everybody got really excited and anything that is maybe it's just high level logic. They're calling it AI. AI mm. is very specific to me and machine learning and large language models and yeah. how you apply that to problems in tech. But everybody's on. We've got AI. We're doing AI. I had a conversation about this yesterday with with a um a consultant team that we work with and, and just what he asked my views of AI and what he was seeing as far as AI and mine kind of came back to us. I think everybody is just throwing up that they've got AI, but the ones that really oh, yeah. have it, it's, 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 it's small. And I think we'll mm -hmm. see that evolve, but the skill sets in the warehouse and the management teams in the warehouse have to catch up to it. And as a systems integrator, we're, we're, we don't just throw out like we're, we're not a buzzword type systems integrator to where we've got yeah. AI. You know, we, we, we want to make sure that we view ourselves as teachers. We view ourselves as problem solvers and we want to make sure we understand it before we just jump on the bandwagon and say we're, we're using AI everywhere. So that's pretty cool. Let me, let me ask you a question. You, you asked me this in my sure. interview and I thought it was interesting. Oh, okay. I'm going to flip it back to you. Yeah. <laughs> what up? What are some of the, it's a two-part question. So what are some of the biggest problems that you're hearing about or as a logistics provider you're seeing mm. in the industry that companies are facing? So we talk a lot about, we, we don't, mm. we go in to solve problems. We like to ask, where's your pain? And we want to help solve a problem versus push products. Um, Jacob C is telling me to wrap it up right now. Kevin. So we're going to have to be like concise, okay. but <laughs> we don't really, but we want to keep it. We got about 10 minutes left, so I'm going to let you have the stage, but what, what are the biggest problems you're hearing about or seeing or experiencing as your own company? And then what technologies get Kevin excited? What, what are you excited mm. about? Just a two part question. Sure. Yeah. I think the first part of the question, right. Uh, what are some of the challenges? I think that, well, first, I want to say I think it's interesting because you guys both pointed out that like uh, the industry is like uh, traditionally a little slower to adopt new technologies. But it's also very interesting that a lot of these new technologies that are coming out like AI, robotics and all these different things. Right. When it, where they really find their practical industry applications is like within our industry which I think is, is really cool. Something that's really cool about our industry. Um, but then also kind of, you know, contrast itself a little bit because we're a little slower to adopt in, in most cases. Right. Um, but I would say, I think that one of the 
biggest challenges right now is that like if you go to a Promat or a Modex and you walk around, the amount of solutions that are out there is overwhelming. And I think for people that are, I think we've reached that point where people realize that like, hey, we need to get some type of automation to be able to keep up, to be able to grow into the future. Uh, you know, labor issues don't seem to be really getting much better. Um, and depending on where you are, I mean, especially, you know, in these like high concentration pockets of the country where there's lots of warehouses, it's, it's very competitive to get labor. So I, I think it's really the question of like, where do I go? Like in what direction? Right. I think that's really one of the biggest challenges. Like if I was, you know, which I guess I am, if I'm a shipper, right. And I, I walked into Promat this past year and I'm thinking like, oh yeah, I need to get some automation in here. Um, and I look around, um, just like, where do I even start? Right. Like, and there's like the, you know, the shiny object stuff, right? The new stuff that's cool, like the truck unloading and everything like that. But if I don't have any automation in place yet, like that's probably not the first thing I want to start with, right? Um, but how do I navigate that? And how do I figure out like, where do I start? Like, I would say that's probably one of the biggest challenges out there, right? Is like getting that your head around just the enormous amount of options there are, and then trying to figure out where do I even start in, in automation or, or robotics and, and going down that path? Like, how does that begin for me? And how do I make sure that I'm making this investment? Because oftentimes it's a pretty, pretty big investment, right? I mean, even with some of the RAS models and things like that, I mean, you know, you're still making an investment in getting this set up. And, you know, sometimes it means you got to change your systems around to be able to to accommodate and, and adapt to these things. But that's probably the biggest challenge, I would say, is just the overwhelming amount of options that are that are out there. And then second part of the question is, oh, what's the most exciting, right, that I see out there? Yeah, what, what technologies excite you? Yeah, what are, what are you sure. seeing that's in the market, is in the market? Yeah, um, hmm. man, I see so much stuff, so it's, <laughs> it's very hard to what pick. What kind of object does Kevin like the best? I mean, Let's go that is, way. <laughs> yeah, everything is so cool. Um, I, I mean, I love the fact that this past year, has really been kind of the big rollout of container truck unloading automation. Um, I worked for a company where we did, you know, seven to eight floor loaded containers a day. And I saw how much of a pain and how tough of a job uh, that is. I mean, luckily I was not doing it. So, uh, but, you know, it was very hard to keep people in that job for a long time. Um, it was very hard to, you know, bring temps in and get them to last for a little bit. I mean, once they get like a half a day of, you know, unloading a floor loaded container that's, you know, loaded up to the ceiling with uh, cases, like it's very difficult. So I love that that's coming into the space uh, because I think that's like a much, much needed automation thing. It's just like not a great job to have. I mean, it sucks, honestly. Um, and, and I hate that people have to do that. I think it's like backbreaking work um, and it should be easier. Um, uh, and I love that too. The approach to it is that when you look at ProMat, I mean, I think there was like 
Mujin has the solution. Um, Boston Dynamics has one. Uh, Pickle had one. Uh, and I think Fox Robotics was the other one. And then there's um, also Slip Robotics, which is looking at uh, a little bit different. But they're all like different approaches to solving that problem. Like I can't say that like those solutions like all look the same, right? Uh, which I think is pretty cool and exciting around that. Um, so that really was exciting for me this year. And then I, I think the other one too, uh, which I learned about recently, which is pretty cool. Uh, I'm pretty interested in um, ASRS systems uh, for myself personally, like future looking for R3PL. I think that we may end up going that route somewhere down uh, the line because I have this kind of um, have a little personal obsession with seeing like how high of a throughput can I get from like a small space? Like I want to like just maximize out. Like I'd love to like one day take like a thousand square feet and just say like, man, how many packages can I get out of a thousand square feet? Like in, in one day and just go like uh, focus on that as like a little passion project. But uh, I think uh, Reputa Robotics, their ASRS is pretty interesting from a build and structural component uh it's like um it's almost like uh if you remember uh connects uh like they're like sticks that go into like these little gears and build things kind of like legos but not not blocks really yeah uh, it almost builds like that um they actually had like uh a kids building contest to build an ASRS structure. It was like little kids just putting this stuff together. I mean, super, super flexible and easy to put together from that perspective, which I think allows it to, you know, kind of conform to some maybe non-traditional spaces that you could put that in. Um, so I thought that that was really cool. And I think those kind of more uh, user friendly user being able to do their own changes when they want to type of technologies, I think is really, really exciting. So, uh, so I'll leave it at those kind of two, uh, things there, but, uh, those are some things that I think are, are pretty cool right now. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. I, and I think Jordan and I would say we're seeing the same challenges, same problems as where do you start and, it obviously is good for a systems integrator because that's where we help guide that's what you do. intelligent yeah. change. Yeah, I can plug <laughs> that in, right? We, yeah. we, we're all about delivering memorable experiences and guide in, guiding intelligent change. That's really our vision statement. And that's where we get to come in and help people is you don't have to go to the shiny object. You may mm -hmm. need to start your journey in a different place. You, you may need something like, uh, to clean your inventory up and to make sure your yeah. slotting's right and do some of the basics. You may need to just have people in the right place. You may need to have new management. You may just need gravity conveyor, or you could need an ASRS system and in, in the highest level of software that's out. So I, I agree with you. It's overwhelming if you're not educated in the space or have a team mm -hmm. that can help you in the space. There's, there's just little way to, to try to do that while you run your main job and while you're doing your, your operations. Cause that's an all in consuming task. If you've ever been an operator on the floor, it's, mm. you don't have, you, you don't have all this free time to just look around and try something new. You're just happy that Bob and Sally and Sue and, and Charlie showed up today and the four that yeah. didn't, you try to figure it out and 
there's a new challenge that comes up and some exception pulls you off. So I think that's really good perspective. And I haven't, I'm going to look up that the last uh, company, say that one more time. The one that's the ASRS, that's a new name to me. Yes. Uh, it's Raputa Robotics. Yeah. I think they're, they're like the largest robotics company in um, uh, Japan, but they're, they're expanding into the, the U S I think like as of this year. Um, so yeah, it's pretty interesting. Um, I'll, I'll send uh, a video to you of it too. It's pretty cool. Yeah. We'd like to send that. We'll try to add that to the show notes. If Jacob, Jacob's mm-hmm. already all over it and we'll try to add that to the show notes. So last question, sure. and we're going to wrap this up. You've been an amazing guest. Thank you again for the time. Just really Thanks. enjoyed. I always, I'm a learner. I wear people out because I'm a learner. I like meeting new people. I like hearing <laughs> other experiences. I'm constantly have my eye on the next technologies and what's new and what's different. Um, almost to a fault sometime, but thanks. Really appreciate having you on here and favorite warehouse. Let's call it a war story. So you've been involved in new startups. You've been involved in inventory transition and you've been involved in some software implementation. So there has to be a great story out of one of those. What's your, <laughs> what's your favorite war story that you know define war however you want it's probably a bad use of the term but <laughs> supply chain wars like that's what, yeah. what, would you, what would you say is your favorite mm, that sounds like a, another good podcast actually supply chain wars i like just thought the uh, same thing like we're gonna have to we're gonna have to brand that supply yeah, chain wars. some kind yeah. of series or something right um yeah, yeah. uh well i mean i would say probably the most uh i i think that they are very time consuming and and intensive uh when you're doing like new new facilities and things like that but i would say you you learn a lot um so the one i think i learned the most was uh we took uh so i signed on for this job and uh the idea was that we were going to i was the inventory control manager was the job that i took and the idea was that they had this old uh, warehouse in uh, Brooklyn, New York, and then one in Long Island. We were going to take those, consolidate them, bring them down to a new uh, kind of state-of-the-art facility in, in New Jersey, right? So I'm like, oh, okay, uh, sounds good. And I had done some some previous uh, uh, new facility startups in my last job, so I'm like, oh, okay. And so then the first time I go to this uh, warehouse in Brooklyn, uh, I was like in shock. Like it was so it was so old, Uh, like the floors were wooden in the warehouse. Right. Uh, The pick carts were shopping carts um, that they had got from a liquidation of a retail store or something like that. Uh, They were picking on paper and uh, the like overall picker culture was a little wild. Like they had, uh, they were like hiding bags of snacks in bins. Uh, So as they're picking, they would go and grab a snack. Right. And then they were paying for performance, but the pickers were smart enough to realize that like, they could see the order, right? Because they had the paper. So they were like, oh, I'll give more money for this one. This one, I won't get so much. So they would take the papers and just like hide them in the shelves, right? And then at the end of the day, they would try and figure out where are these orders? Where are these orders? And try to match them up. So that was a little crazy. Um, and then overall, we, we took that. We went from that 
to we put in like a thematic multi-shuttle system voice picking these gtp pick stations and they had complexity of of items uh and it was just a a wild wild ride um and it was uh it was small business um you know so there was not like a big team uh that was involved in all these projects so it ended up being a lot of uh, me trying to figure out on the floor i became like the SME for all the systems and everything and it was just such a a wild journey of ups and downs and but huge huge learnings um and i think like you know when i i realized like man i think i really want to do my own thing at some point it was like i think it was like midnight 12 30 one o'clock in the morning or something i was like up in the multi-shuttle system like on like the fourth or fifth level in the tower like clearing a jam and i'm just thinking like man what am i doing? <laughs> what am i doing right now <laughs> basically right and uh but i learned so much from that and there was so much complexity to that because there's so many different type of items that they were distributing from you know small eyeliner pencils to hampers that were non-conveyable and just so many layers of complexity to um to having nail polish and having to kind of throw together a hazmat room because of the township's requirement we were like just hitting the threshold because of that nail polish um and, and all those things it was such a big big learning like i feel like you know, working there and doing this project for a year. Like, I feel like I learned what I would have learned in like five, six, seven, maybe even like 10 years time. Uh, so I would say that was like a huge, huge uh, battle overall war, if you want to call it that. Um, but coming out on the other side, it was just like such a, such a great learning experience and, and just being able to get so, so hands-on with everything. That was probably, probably the biggest one that, that stands out over time. That's pretty awesome. We need to find something. I'm not great on the spot, but like we need to find famous warehouse moment, you know, and I, I think <laughs> you hit it like everybody. I don't know what we call that, but everybody's yeah. had one of those one thirty, two o'clock. Well, yeah. maybe not everybody, but if you've been in the industry long enough, you've, oh, yeah. you've set at the back of a warehouse by yourself and like, how am I going to solve this problem? How, mm. how did I get here? Number one, and how am I going to get out of it? And, or maybe it's one thirty up in the, the, the multi-shuttle system trying to figure out a jam and you're just like, what in the world? But you look back at those moments and they're like a lot of life moments is you learn oh, yeah. so much, you find out who you are and you develop that customer empathy or that operational empathy or that company empathy to where, how do I never get there again? And the good ones come out of it and you, you make the world a better place and the warehouse a better place because of it. And, uh, that's yeah. awesome. Appreciate you sharing that. So yeah. we're going to wrap it up. We're at 50 minutes. I've really enjoyed it. Any final, final thoughts or comments, Jordan or Kevin, either one. No, I just appreciate you being on here, Kevin. I also enjoyed just talking through it learning from your perspective, talking through some of those past experiences. So thank you. Yeah, definitely. Thank you guys for having me on. And, uh, yeah, love what you guys are doing too as well. Uh, and it's great to, to be a part of this. And yeah, if people want to learn more about the new warehouse, just check out the newwarehouse.com. Perfect.